You're listening to the Keeping Abreast with Karen podcast brought to you by the Karen T. Stahl Research and Breast Institute. Now, here's your host, Karen T. Stahl. Hello and welcome to another segment of Keeping Abreast with Karen on this wonderful family Monday. Today, we have two special guests, Julie Stokes, a former representative for the Louisiana legislature, and Karen Spellman, both tremendous supporters of KTSRBI. Yeah, two very uh, incredible supporters of KTSRBI and two breast cancer survivors. So it, it's great to have two survivors on a Mammary Monday. And I know you're ready to get going talking about our big event this year that we use to support our breast cancer survivors. And that is going to be Click to Save 2020 as opposed to Sip to Save. Correct. A virtual event, um, a telethon I guess you would call it, and we know. I'll call it that. Let's okay. go there. We'll call it what it is. It's <laughs> and, a telethon. And we know nothing about doing a telethon. None. We've never so done a telethon. We encourage you strongly <laughs> to tune in on September 24th from 6 to 8 p.m. to watch us make absolute fools of ourselves for your viewing pleasure. And the details are coming soon. You say, well, where are we going to tune in? Well, we'll have a link. We're going to stream it. We've been meeting with some partners that are going to help us perform this endeavor. Uh, I feel really good that it's going to be a great night because so many of the people that are involved in SIP to Save are, gonna, are already on board to help out with Click to Save. As this molds and morphs, we're going to let people know more about it and how they can get involved. We're, we have some exciting sponsorship opportunities that we're going to release coming soon to people. So uh, j- for right now, we just need you to block out that time of September 24th from 6 to 8. Be ready to watch us because um, it's going to be something. Emphasis on the word you used earlier, perform. When the four of us, when I say the four of us, it's you, Dad, Will, and me. When we get together, it's amusing. It is a performance. And we feel quite sure you'll be amused. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so Will will be MC in the night, which I'm really excited about. He does a great job at Sip to Save. Uh, you know, no one's ever accused Will Stahl of lack of personality. <laughs> no. So he, um, he's going to be there. We're going to have some trivia games, some interactive trivia games. People are going to be able to play at home. Uh, we've got some musicians that, have, uh, that we've got contracted to do some produced performances for us. Man, there's just so we're going to have some recap of some of our best interviews from the podcast. There's going to be the silent auction that you can do from your phone, which reminds me, before you used to have to buy a ticket to sip to save to do the auction. Now anybody can. We're just going to open it up to everybody and, and let everyone have at it. And the bidding will begin the week prior to that evening, so you'll have plenty of time to peruse the prizes. We'll have our usual wonderful jewelry and art and experiences and uh we also have our raffles, um, including our jewelry raffle from Oakland Heart. Ah, outstanding. People ask about that. They look forward to that one. As we continue to have more information to give, uh, make sure you follow us on social media. You can get more information at ktsrbi.org as well. Well, as we speak to Julie today, um, you'll learn about our adventures in the Louisiana legislature, our success with House Bill 460 and the availability to mandated 3D tomosynthesis mammography for Louisiana citizens. She also mentions how she made a ministry out of her mess. She made a vocation, how to pay it forward. Um, after some of those dark days of healing, she dug deep and tried to think of ways to make it better for others so others wouldn't suffer. She's a tremendous person to be around. I. I it, it's akin to a, a quarterback, like Joe Burrow. You know that Joe Burrow feeling that when he walked into the room, the, that team felt like they could do anything? When, Julie kind of has that feeling about her. She's got that confidence and swagger about her, and and she's ready to go take on something. You know it's going to be done organized. You know it's going to be well articulated. The the mission the mission's going to be clear, concise, and, uh, and very thorough. You define that perfectly. Um, Julie definitely lights up a room and has swagger, and to have her on our team is an incredible blessing because we are going to move things forward. And when I say we, we're talking specifically about the Cancer Advocacy Group of Louisiana, a recently formed 501c4 conceived by Chad Landry, Julie Stokes, myself, Dr. Ashish Udrain, and Rich Maudie. And all of us have the intention of making cancer experience is less expensive for people and also with 
successful outcomes. And actually, kind of hot off the presses, a, a new recent committee member just added is Dr. Mark Matrana, who yes. helped with the last precision medicine bill that the government signed recently, which Julie mentions. And we'll talk about that in that interview, and you'll learn all about what precision medicine is. Let's listen to what Julie has to say. All right, so without further ado, here's our interview with Julie Skinner-Stokes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Keeping Abreast with Karen on this Mammary Monday. Today, we are fortunate to have a very special guest and friend, uh, Louisiana former representative, Julie Stokes. Welcome, Julie. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. Doing very well. We have been um, partners in um, in good crimes, not crimes, but good deeds uh, in the past few months and years. And we're so excited to be teamed with you and partnered with you. You're an innovative woman, even through your own cancer journey. Your energy seemed boundless. You you just you just didn't stop. And I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the innovative changes we're working on for the citizens of Louisiana. And could you start with telling our listeners about how House Bill 460 was passed in in the start of our friendship and our um, commitment? Yeah, House Bill 460 in, what was that, 19, I mean, I'm sorry, 2018? Yes, correct. Yeah, in 2018, um, actually, I want to give some props to um, Senator now, Pat Connick, who connected us. Um, before before we ever really met, Pat um, had talked to you about authoring a bill to require 3D mammography in Louisiana, or require that um, insurance companies would pay for it if it was available at the institution that you went to for your mammography. And um, after everything that had just happened to me, he was kind enough to let me to ask me to lead author it. And of course he was an important co-author and a good friend. So we, we basically required that insurance companies um, pay for 3D mammography. I know that for myself, I didn't really understand what 3D mammography really added to the process. Um, I had gone through having babies and I knew that 3D ultrasounds let you have a look at your baby's face, but I really didn't get what a 3D mammogram would do for the potential of finding your cancer if it was smaller or if you had dense breast tissue. Um, But the more I learned from you, the more important that bill became to me. Um, We were able to usher that bill through the whole system and have it signed into law that year, which was very, very exciting. Um, Some of the things that I think I learned in that process was that a not everybody not every hospital or clinic has the ability to do 3D mammography and that was something that we couldn't legislate Um, but I say to everyone out there if you're listening before you agree to do your mammography at a certain place ask them if they have the capability to do 3d and ask for that specifically and if you can't get it there go somewhere that you can get it that's very good advice because the standard of quality care for that particular screening um, means a lot to the citizens of louisiana since we do have so many environmental exposures uh, to cancer in in our state um, and I, that was extremely uh, life-changing for many people in Louisiana. And it went through all of those committees unopposed, which almost never happens. Uh, and I, yeah. I feel like we may have had a guardian angel with us through that. And it was a thrill to watch you take that from, from the very beginning all through the end and, and made me wish I had paid attention in civics class a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, if it's any um, consolation, I didn't really pay attention back then either. I had to learn it all as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, at least at least we made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if you would tell our listeners about our new um, 501c4 formed by you and Chadwick Landry of Lymphomaniacs, um, and it's called Cancer Advocacy Group of Louisiana. Uh, what positive changes have we been able to accomplish in the short time since its inception? Well, I think that we finished our bylaws, I want to say in like 
March or February. It was right before COVID, um, as far as I recall. Uh, we decided that we would work with Dr. Mark Matrana this year. From He's from Oshner, and he does precision medicine oncology. Um, we decided that, well, we went and interviewed him just about, like, what could help? Like, what advances um, in legislation are needed so that you can serve your patients better? And he told us about a situation where the health insurance policies hadn't really caught up with the new technology and the new science that was available. Um, for instance, I don't know what you know about precision medicine, but this is basically working with your own genetics and the genetics of whatever mutation has caused this cancer to afflict you. Um, to work with that, to, I don't know, this is really layman's terms. This is a CPA, former legislator girl trying to talk <laughs> science. So, but I mean, to, to use your own genetics and kind of plug that little hole that, that will stop that cancer in its tracks instead of the bathing your system in chemotherapy, which we know is often very difficult, very difficult, as I can tell you for myself, and costs people time in the office, costs them time away from work, and a lot of misery and a lot of expense. Um, but a lot of times insurance wasn't covering the specific precision medicine treatment that he could offer. Um, so people were in a quandary, like, do I just subject myself to the onslaught of chemotherapy with a lot lower odds that this is going to cure my cancer? Or um, do I self-fund this precision medicine treatment? Uh, you know, what do I do? So we came in with a bill that said that precision medicine would be covered. It was already covered somewhat. But like, for instance, if you had a particular cancer that maybe had started in one area of your body and it was specific to a certain gene, but it had moved or was present in a different area of your body, insurance wouldn't cover that. So we had to adapt the law to include that um, part of the body or that no matter where it occurred in the body, that if it was physician recommended that insurance would cover it for a period of three months and we'd see if it worked or not um, within those three months. So um, we worked with all the insurance companies, um, namely I'll say we worked with Blue Cross Blue Shield on tightening the language of the legislation to make it um, easier to get through the system. You know, one of the things that I think is really important to the future success that we'll have is our ability to work with those insurance companies and try to bring a solution that does what we need it to do, what the patients of this state really need, but also works within the parameters of the insurance companies as well as we can um, to provide a, a solution. Yes, that's a great point that you made that this is customized medicine for your cancer. I don't think people realize how very individual cancers are. It's like a thumbprint. So precision medicine is a gene map of your body that a physician can follow for your specific needed treatment, not that standard blanket treatment and gee, hope it works for you. But this is the right medicine at the right time for the right person. And um, as Dr. Mark told us, you know, it's not like when you are going to treat someone for their cancer, you go to the pharmacy, you pull a jar of breast cancer chemo off the shelf and say, here you go. It, it's very specialized. And we're even finding that some breast cancer treatments are working for lung cancer patients. So it was hard to get the insurance companies to understand that this isn't this isn't just a jar you get from the shelves. This is something that is very specific to the person. And I think it's going to change the survival rate of people being diagnosed. Um, and I imagine um, after the bill is signed, which it was signed on, it was one day last week, I believe. Yeah, it was just within a week <laughs> ago. I think it was last Thursday. So yeah. hopefully this will be available to citizens in Louisiana um, in January of 21. Yes. I, I think it's going to change treatment tremendously. 
Yes, I think it'll help a lot of people. Um, you know, one reason, and, and I've had this with a, a piece of legislation that I passed last year before I left the legislature, the, 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 the dates that they take full effect, sometimes that can be a really hard thing for people mm -hmm. to understand or deal with. Yeah. But what happens is that um, the insurance companies will be forced to put it into all their renewals. Yeah. And then as all their policies renew, um, that's how it gets in there. And then by the, by a year later, that's when the definitive effective date is. So your effective date as per your policy could be anywhere between when the, when the bill, um, is signed and the beginning of that next year. Um, right. so that's not always the best case scenario. And I think this one is actually 2022, January of 2022, um, for that reason. Um, and that's not what we want particularly because that's very difficult to deal with in a case where somebody might have a cancer that's active right now, but it, it helps us to do what's a reasonable fix to make sure that it gets in the law. Without doing that, it might not get in the law in the first place because the insurance companies would have a pretty arguable fact that they can't meet those demands until those mm -hmm. policies renew. Yes. Yes. That's all the blue tape and the bureaucracy, but Hopefully these next 18 months will pass quickly and this will be available very soon. Um, as a breast cancer survivor, how has that shaped you to be the woman you are today? How has it changed you? Oh, well, you know, along with that cancer, I went through so much. Uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and a pretty bad um, breast cancer uh, in the middle of running for state treasurer. Yes. And it was a horrible moment of life when you have to abandon a dream yes. and uh, move on to something else, which is not pleasant because nobody, yes. even though you can find great purpose in your life through something like this, which is where I'm going with this in the long run, it can be a very big disruption. Um, so life really has evolved for me um, so much so that I ended up realizing how short life can be. Yes there's nothing more important to carry from it than that, but not as a fear, but as a blessing. Um, yeah. I, I find that you can laser focus your life purpose. Um, one of the things that I've done because of that experience is the Cancer Advocacy Group of Louisiana. Um, I really didn't want that part of my personal mission to end when I left the legislature. Um, so Chad Landry uh, with Lymphomaniacs, actually approached me about the potential of doing the cancer advocacy group. And I thought, oh my gosh, I totally want to do that. That would be amazing. Um, it was exciting because he believed in me, you know, enough to pull together you and a few other people that came together to form the group. Um, we did our first bill this year and uh, it was exciting to be back in the building, you know, in the <laughs> Capitol. I loved getting that built through the system. I loved advocating for people in need. So it was really a, a, an incredible opportunity for me. And I thank you guys um, for that because Karen is part of the Cancer Advocacy Group and uh, it's very exciting stuff. So that's how it can change your life. You know, you find, yes. uh, you find purpose. I, I, you find your ministry in your mess sometimes. And uh, I think that's one that's of the highest- way to put it the highest calls on our life, you know, is to take the bad things that happen because they're going to happen, you sure. know, and just try to find, make your, make the lemonade out of your lemons. <laughs> and that's, this has been one of the ways that, uh, that God's given me to, to be able to do that. It's true. Um, when you're, when you're in some of your darker moments, you have, you're asking God, please show me the way and just show me what you want me to do with this this burden yeah. that I have and I will, I will do whatever is necessary to make it less burdensome for others. Yeah. Um, and, and we are so fortunate to have you as our champion on the state Capitol. We really are. Thank you. Um, we have all experienced that feeling of helplessness and maybe a little funky depression through our treatment days. So during your therapies, what got you through those dark, days, those tough days? Oh, gosh. I mean, there were some really dark days. I, I'm going to be honest. I did two rounds of chemo. 
Um, the first one, and everybody's different. So for me, doing tax all was easy. Like I got mm -hmm. through the tax all and it was like 12 weeks of that, like, oh yeah, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and then came, I don't even remember the technical name for it, but the Red Devil. And um, that was Adrian Myerson. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. And it you is know, the Red Devil. It is. And I'm a person that always like, oh, it's going to be fine. Well, there were some days when that just wasn't going to be fine. And, you know, when I got diagnosed and I knew I was going to go through chemo, I, I laugh now because I find these like the yellow, I mean, they're like blue bags, barf bags. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> but, but I They found become your friend. <laughs> I thought they would, you know, and that never was the case, but it's funny because we've organized our house a few times and I'm always finding those park pegs and I'm like, I never had to use them. But so that's what I thought would be so hard. What I really didn't understand was going to be by far the hardest part was the mental part. Um, there's oh. something about that chemo that just gets in your brain. And those were every time I did it, there were three days that were yes. some of the darkest days in my life where I just, all I wanted to do is sit and stare. I couldn't like, I'd have a glass of water right next to me and think that's I'm thirsty, but I not even connecting. That's too much work to pick up that water. Just I'm thirsty. Yeah. And not really even being able to connect with my own emotions very well, or it was very, very difficult. And, uh, I've often offered, and you know, nobody hardly has taken me up on it, but that sometimes when you're in that hole, that that particular drug I know created for me, you just need somebody and you need somebody that gets it. And I'm going to put this offer out here again, but if anybody that hears this is going through that and they're like, I just can't do this anymore, um, I, get in touch with me because I'd love to be there for somebody. And um, people were there for me that I didn't even know. And um, I had never really met, but they were there for me through that. And that's hard because no, not your husband can't get it. Your mother mm -hmm. can't get it. Your kids can't get it. Nobody can understand just that, I don't know, that, that isolation that you feel when you're going through that. At least I did. Now, you, you described that whole experience with Adria Mice and the Red Devil perfectly. And you, you don't have enough wherewithal to put good conscious thoughts together um, and each time you go to have it done you are brought to a the brink of death because it's yeah. killing healthy cells too um, and you're right the best way to pay it forward is to help someone going through it and samesies here please get in touch with me or julie if um, you're just having a weak moment and you need to just say, I don't feel good. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and we'll cheer you on for sure. Cause it's really good at the end. It's really wonderful when yeah. you win the battle and, and move on with your life and you will, you will move on. Yeah. And you will get back to normal and be your yes. same perky self, but with some wisdom that you gain throughout it. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like that's the important part is that you should never go through something really difficult without letting it grow you. And if, you, yeah. if you're struggling with how is this going to grow me as a human being, um, dig around, you know, yeah. do a lot of praying, read, read, search for guidance, because there's always a way. Um, yes. And it's just trusting. Sometimes in the middle of those Adriamycin days, it's like the only thing I could count on is that tomorrow will be a better day. Yes. And I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel miserable right now. And I'm just going to feel miserable. There's like almost nothing I can do about it right now. I'm trapped in this feeling, but I'm just yeah. going to hold on. And if I have to just stare blankly at a meaningless television show and not even register what's happening on the screen, just get through it for two or three days and, and the sun's yeah. going to come out again. Yes. You've really described that perfectly. Um, it's, it's been a while since my experience, but, you know, doing these podcasts and talking about other people's experiences um, just brings those memories back so fresh. And uh, if we keep working for the, the common goal, Julie, um, 
and we can get rid of this disease and no one ever has to go through those days, those medicines and, and we can get rid of this terrible disease. It would be wonderful. Imagine if it was you. all, imagine, imagine if it was all precision type of medicine, you know, I mean, you know, that kind of thing isn't necessarily prescribed for every cancer because it's not a thing. It's not like, a, right. it's not, um, warranted for every kind of cancer it's just not even available i guess is what i mean not because of science well maybe but because of our own genetics you know or because of the kind of cancer might not respond to that but imagine if one day all of it could be solved with specific little fixes instead of this bath of this horrible chemical and that's what i'm hoping it will morph into that it yeah. will be the standard of care and we'll say oh my god we were so silly for just you know, dumping all these chemicals into people and hoping for the best. If we can lean more towards precision medicine um, as the standard care, I, I really feel like that's the way it's going to go. It just makes sense. It just makes good sense. Yeah. yeah well, we I love you so much and we are so proud of you and I'm so proud to call you my friend. And I can't wait till we can have normal lunches again. <laughs> I know. Well, right back at you, Karen Stahl. I'm honored to know you. And I love everything that you're doing with your organization. And I can't wait until we can get back together for your great um, fundraiser party that you do every year. It's fabulous. Oh, thank and you. Stay, thank stay you. tuned for the details coming for that very soon. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, honey, take care. We're going to say goodbye for now. Thank and you. we'll be in touch. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Bye, Julie. Bye-bye. That was a very powerful interview with Julie Skinner-Stokes, and she goes into a lot of depth, uh, once again, in taking you to the mental aspect of the cancer journey and what's going on through the cancer patient's mind. And them, she was very strong, not being able to connect her mind and her body. That was a very surreal uh, concept that somebody who has not had cancer uh, it shed a lot of light on that to me. I've never discussed that specifically with Julie, those days of sitting there with a blank brain. Um, and it was like she took the information from my head and the words came out of her mouth. It is a very specific experience, and she described it perfectly. And uh, I think one of the reasons why she wanted to mention that was to talk about how harsh chemotherapy can be. And not that it's ever... Not that it's always the wrong choice, but because of precision medicine, perhaps it can be uh, the amount of chemo that one goes through, the type of chemotherapy, since they're all not the same. The chemotherapy that is the blanket standard presently is like killing a mosquito with a sledgehammer. Precision medicine is so much more specific. Maybe the chemo that will be recommended is very harsh, and maybe it won't be. But with precision medicine, you will get an absolute custom fit for your treatment okay now as a louisiana person you've made it you've put it into words i can understand mosquito with a sledgehammer see uh, okay <laughs> you, you, i got it now but i see what you're saying because it's tremendously taxing physically and mentally as julie mentioned going through these treatments and any kind of alleviation to a cancer patient any kind of better care we got to push for it we have to it has to get better um, the treatment and uh, ultimately leading to a cure. It has to happen. So, uh, well, that goes into our next interview uh, with Miss Karen Spellman, who is one of the best. Uh, we've just, you know, you guys talk about it. I remember y'all as, as mom squad moms when we were in <laughs> high school. And to see your friendship today and how you guys have grown together and the ups and downs that you've all had together and, and what binds you being those mat moms who are sitting there in, in uncomfortable bleachers for all that long period of time uh, is very special. Not everyone understands what it is to be a wrestling mom. And it is, a lot of people say it's a cult. It's kind of like a cult. Yeah, because, it's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it is a tremendous amount of fear for your son on the mat, joy for your son on the mat when his hand is raised, agony for your son when you know he's, worked hard, he's starving, he's running, he's doing everything to be successful. Brian was starving a lot more than I was, I can attest to that. <laughs> we had the fat kids on the team. Yeah. <laughs> but you suffered in, in other ways, and, and that's kind of what keeps the moms bound together 
is you're, you're there in support of them and you're watching them have successes and you're watching them become men right before your very eyes. Well, that's funny because when you're a kid and you're doing it, you always think of it's teaching you about things that you're going to do later in life. But as, as you parents, it kind of taught y'all how to be prepared for things in life because you said going through that emotional roller coaster um, and, and seeing all the, the, the highs and lows that a kid goes through when they, when they give their heart to something. But it, it let you guys know how to be there for one another as time passes and, and things happened and, you know, babies are born and spouses are lost. And through all of that, you guys maintain that, that same support and, that, and it seemed like it was conditioned within you because of that culture. That conditioning helped you guys grow as men and as women, it helped us grow into a deep friendship that got us through those tough experiences and milestones in life. So, uh, and Karen's cancer journey, uh, it, it was was quite intense. And of course, just like everything, you never know by, by looking at her that anything's wrong. She's like a duck on the water, but <laughs> uh, she had a, a, a tumultuous journey. Yeah, she absolutely. Karen's a special friend. You're going to enjoy her interview. And sub subsequently on Thankful Thursday, you will hear an interview with her son, Brian Spellman. And as we say in the wrestling arena, it all goes back to wrestling. We're very intertwined. So enjoy this next interview with Karen Spellman. We'd like to take a little time today to welcome our dear friend, Karen Spellman. Karen, welcome to Memory Monday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Karen and I have lots in common. We, um, we both are breast cancer survivors and Karen and I share a passion for high school wrestling. Our kids wrestled together. We have sat on many a bench in many a town for many a month, cheering our crusaders on to victory. We have a very successful wrestling team. And from that, we have formed uh, a well-known terrorist group called the Mom Squad. <laughs> and our friendship has gone way beyond our years of, of cheering our kids on in high school. Uh, this, this group of, of friends is a lot of fun. Why don't you tell our listeners what mom squad means to you. So, you know, initially, like you said, it was, you know, sitting in the bleachers all day at these tournaments, trying to, you know, keep your mind busy while you were uh, watching your son be clobbered possibly on the mat. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, so out of that sprang this friendship, this group of women whose sons wrestled together. And um, the amazing thing was, is that, you know, our sons graduated over, a, I guess, maybe a six or a seven year period, because some had older brothers, younger brothers, and we all just, we just seemed to mesh the never a crossword. Um, and for me, it, it has been a lifesaver in, in many of my circumstances that um, have, have happened over the last 25 years, because I don't know if you realize we're approaching 25 years with this. So wow. you know, I think, you know, we have, we have supported each other through cancer diagnosis, through illnesses, through um, deaths of a spouse, of a child, um, so many different things. But we have had a lot of fun. We have had a great time. And, you know, we have this group text mom squad which you never know what's <laughs> going to come up on there on a daily basis but it but it's very interesting and sometimes thought-provoking so i i love our mom squad threads and you said a, a great phrase thought-provoking it truly is <laughs> this this friendship has been oh, so incredibly special i didn't realize we were um a known gang for 25 years uh, and you're right we've been so supportive through your illness my illness um, other other friends in the group have gone through cancer incidences some of our children have married each other and we share grandchildren and our grandchildren like to be together this core group of women is something every cancer survivor should be able to depend on because 
it's such a source of strength. Um, everybody brings something very special to it. In, in particular, our friend Eileen, who has been through some awful cancer experiences recently, she uh, is our our mom squad minister. She really is. And um, I have certainly gotten a lot of strength from from some pearls of wisdom and words from from her and her um, thoughtful prayers, mostly daily. Yes. And, and personally for me, Karen, you know, you were, you were, you had my back during my whole experience. You know, you would send me cards in the mail. You stopped by to see me and visit me, just popped in to say hello. And, you know, all of that just meant so much. And really the whole mom squad was, was just as supportive. So it was, it was really good for me. Well, I'm glad that it helped you get through it. And you did the same for me. You were, you were very protective of me when I needed it. And, and I think, um, I think more women could get through their situations a lot easier with the pals like we have in each other. How long have you been a cancer survivor? How many years has it been now? 10 years. So oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, it'll be 10 years in uh, July that I would have oh. finished my cycle of treatments. So yes, 10 years. Oh, that tickles me so much. And, and you, you look wonderful. You do. You always, you always look sassy. Well, thank you. So how was your whole family affected by this experience? Because we know it's not just the person going through the journey, everybody gets sucked into it. I don't know how else to describe it. Well, I think anytime there's a cancer diagnosis in a family, you know, it, it, it's, it's very frightening for, for everybody. You know, um, I know my husband really tried very hard to keep a very brave face, but I knew that he was, he was just scared to death about, you know, what the outcome could possibly be. Um, you know, friends, my, my sons, my daughters-in-law, you know, they were all very, very concerned. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that this brought us all much closer together. I, I think, you know, we realized how, how fragile life can be, you know, when you're facing so many unknowns. And, um, you know, there were so many positives that came out of my experience. And that was definitely one. I have to say, I've heard that from more than one cancer survivor that it was in many ways um, an enlightenment. It was in many ways a good experience, if you can call cancer a good experience, because you had, um, you experienced feelings you didn't think you, you actually <laughs> had within you and, and met people you wouldn't have met. And, and that's not bad. None of that is bad stuff. And I think, I think it forces you to be honest with, you know, the people around you, you know, that, that you might say things that you may not have ever said or have ever thought yes. to say, you know, and you just, um, I know I had a couple of those experiences where I, I just felt like there were things that, you know, that I might have been sorry about that that I never had expressed that emotion. And um, it just, it, it, it really, really helped me become closer to, to people. It's true. You, you have a, a greater appreciation for the sunrise. You have a greater appreciation uh, that every day is a gift. And, and you were in the middle of your career too. How, how was your career interrupted? How um, did you have an understanding workplace? Well, you know, I was a, at, at that point in my career, I was a 39 year employee. <laughs> wow. And, um, and it, we had just started um, a new software implementation, which was the first one in 20 years. And I was the HCM lead on the project. And so we were, we were really just beginning the project. And of course, 
you know, when I went in and I spoke to executive management about it, I was very, very positive that I would be productive and that, you know, we would not miss a beat. And I told them, you know, just set me up with the office at home. And when I can be in the office, I'll be there. When I have to be at home, I'll be at home. And they were fully supportive. And I really, and of course, the, the people that worked around me were very supportive too. And that's very important because they had my back. But it really ended up being a positive experience for me because it gave me something to focus on other than cancer. I mean, I can remember being in the middle of treatments, you know, sitting in a room with five or six other people. And here I am, you know, with the, the buds in my ear and I'm on a conference call, you know, and, um, <laughs> but it, you know, it just helped. It really helped a lot. So I was so appreciative of that. And the fact that, you know, they were so understanding. If you have more than one support circle, you're, you're so fortunate and, and you had at least three that I can think of offhand and that's tremendous all by itself. I do remember they sent you home with a copy machine. I thought that was really cool. Well, I had work. It was a printer copier. I could do whatever, whatever I needed to do, you know, and, um, it, but, but it was important for me to be able to go to the office too. And so I worked, oh, yeah. with, I worked with my physician, you know, maybe push the envelope a little bit, but always listened to what, you know, he told me to do. So. And that's best for you mentally to be able to maintain your regular life as much as possible while you're facing the battle of your life. Absolutely. So what was your greatest source of strength? What got you through each day? You know, I guess I call it the three Fs, faith, family, and friends, you know, yeah. um, you know, I have, I, I was raised Catholic. I have always practiced the Catholic faith. I'm not sure that I was as good a Catholic as I could have been, but this certainly brought me to my knees. And, and I, I think that it really changed how I, um, how I feel about it's not how I feel about God but just the ability to be able to pray you know and to have that closeness and to feel like there's an interaction you know there's there's yeah. feed you know you get feedback so so you know my faith and then of course my family um you know my husband, my sons, daughters-in-law. I have two sisters that were definitely shaken by my diagnosis because, of course, then you think, okay, wait a minute, you know, is this, am I going to lose my sister? Is this going to happen to me? Yeah. But, um, you know, they, they rallied around me. Um, my younger sister gave me the Nupogen injections after my treatment, you know, mm. which, which to me was, I don't know if I could do that for somebody else so um. <laughs> <laughs> only because you're on the receiving end of Nupogen and you know that it doesn't feel good at all no no and then <laughs> uh, and then uh and then my friends you know my 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 friends my close friends my mom squad friends but but people who you really never knew you were were your friends you know i, I had offers to clean my house people yeah, cooked yeah. for me uh did my laundry i mean it was just it was and and, and that was a very humbling experience for me yeah. because i felt like why why would these people want to do this for me why would they take the time to do this and um, it, it truly is a humbling experience, but I think at the end of the day, it's something that, you know, you realize, well, you know, maybe one day I can pay this forward. And I think, I think we do. I think you do for sure. Uh, and you, you certainly lead by example. And, and as Catholics, we never think we're good Catholics, but I can tell you, you are, <laughs> and and it is humbling when you need help, when when you can't handle dirty laundry or you can't choose 
eggs from the grocery or or meat to prepare a meal with those simple things you don't think about um and you need help with those simple things yes uh it's a very humbling experience but i think it brings us back to center and and i think we've all had chances to pay it forward in so many ways and and i'm so blessed to have you as a friend and if you had one bit of advice to give to someone going through a cancer journey, what would it be? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is you need to educate yourself. You need to have a good understanding of what your diagnosis is. You need to know what your options are. And once you once you made a decision about what those options are, and you know, you, you have to be confident in your physicians, you know, and, and that's very important. And um, I was I was very, very selective about the oncologists that I went to because I really I really felt very strongly about that. And then once you've done that, you need to listen to them. <laughs> you need to listen yes. to what they tell you to do because they yes. know. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I guess if I could say something really outside of that is that, you know, I, I it's so important to, to have your annual mammogram. They didn't have the 3D mag, uh, mammogram when I went through this, or if they did, it just wasn't, wasn't so widely uh, available. So it Correct. is so important to have your annual mammogram. I mean, that's, Mine, mine was detected through a follow-up mammogram from a surgery that I had on the other breast. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how fortunate is that? It wasn't right. even my annual mammogram, it was a follow-up. And so, you know, all of these things are important. Um, you know, you really have to know your body and you have to always be aware and get that mammogram. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And right place, right time is good too. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for being with us today. And I know your time is precious spent with those beautiful grandchildren of yours. They're so cute. I love the pictures you post. They keep me busy. I never expected to be as busy as I am. But I know, I know. Retirement seems to be busier. We have, Karen, if I could also thank you for everything that you do, you know, through your foundation and, um, you know, it's, it's an honor for me to be your friend and um, I love being involved in it, belonging to breast friends, um, you know, doing whatever I can for the gala every year. I, I, I guess it's part of the pay it forward, you know, you, you, you want to be able to give back so that other people can have early detection and um, really great outcomes, so. Oh, thank you so much. That, that means the world to me, and you're not allowed to make me cry on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually, it's usually me cry. <laughs> well, I love you so much, and our next interview we're going to record today is with your awesome son, Brian. We're going to talk about his artwork and mama knows best because for years you said that's what he needed to do and you were 100 percent correct i was but i can remember <laughs> a certain art teacher who admired his work at a very young age so yes always yes your support there too. <laughs> well honey i love you have a great evening and i hope to see you very soon love you too thanks demand 3d Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Karen is one of our biggest advocates for our volunteer group, Breast Friends. And I, I love hearing how excited people are when they talk about it. It makes us feel good that they, that they really enjoy uh, the camaraderie and that good feeling you get just from giving your time to something meaningful. But uh, she really has been one of our, our greatest advocates for it. And if you want to be involved in Breast Friends, Please give us an email. You can email mom, Karen, at ktsrbi.org or me, Chuck, at ktsrbi.org. And uh, we'll let you know on the, the latest and greatest from Breast Friends.
it's a great organization to belong to. It's a lot of fun. Um, whenever we get together, of course, we feed you because we do believe in treating our volunteers like royalty. And we cannot execute our annual mission without the support of Breast Friends. And we do appreciate that. And it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck. We're Even though we're having our virtual event, our Click to Save event, uh, we're still going to need volunteers and breast friends to help us out. We're still looking for silent auction items. If you're interested in making a silent auction item donation, please feel free to email mom or I, Karen at ktsrbi.org or Chuck at ktsrbi.org. Um, also, if you are a musician or comedian who is looking to make a gift in kind of your time that you would like to donate to the show, please feel free to contact us at those two email addresses as well. That's a wonderful suggestion. And um, we're happy to come and pick up silent auction items um, or have you drop them off. You can just let us know. If you are having someone drop it off, we'll give you an address for that. Yeah, we're all about the sanitary delivery and pickup. <laughs> we're very COVID-friendly. Not COVID-friendly. We're anti-COVID, but you know what we're we COVID mean. We're COVID-aware. We're very COVID-aware. That's a much better way of putting it. Uh, so if you do have something, we will arrange a, a pickup. You can leave it on your front door if you'd like, or uh, we'll arrange something. And we really appreciate your help. Um, I've been told we have one of the nicer silent auctions in town. We do have some beautiful, beautiful quality items. I we get to categorize it as we're putting it into the software so we see everything. And I, it's that dad and I going, this is nice. This right. is really nice. Oh, hey, look at this. It's, I it, wouldn't mind having this. Yeah, hey, what number is that one going to be? Uh, so that it's a lot of fun. And who doesn't like a silent auction? It's good stuff. And we're happy to deliver it to you as well because um, if you're not able to pick it up at our destination, then we can we can get it to you some kind of way. So, and that means anyone across the country that Click to Save 2020 is no longer limited to here in the New Orleans metropolitan area. Uh, it's going to be open to everyone. So we're hoping to see some of our friends in Houston, in Lake Charles, Lafayette, and Baton Rouge, all along this I-10 corridor and hopefully across the country. As we've been getting some of the podcast analytics in, we're a multinational podcast. Isn't we have listeners exciting? in other countries as well. Who knew? So it's... A lot of good work's been done uh, by all everyone in the foundation. We, we just had another meeting not too long ago with our committee who is working very hard. Uh, look, I'm getting messages right now. <laughs> That's them. They're very excited. <laughs> so with that, I think we'll wrap this up. We're looking forward to your participation on September 24th at Click to Save. Just click your heels three times and you'll be Don't just click your heels. It. There's a link. She's not telling the you'll truth. There's a link. You'll be enjoying it from home. There's no place like home. Demand 3D. Thank you.